0: Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host on a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. On this episode, I have a candid conversation with David Mamano on how to grow a business in a way that allows you to surround yourself with other people and not feel lonely at the top. So many times people have this feeling when they run an organization that they're lonely at the top. David has been in business for over 20 years. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's spoken at TEDx events. He has been featured in Inc. Magazine and Forbes.com. He has written multiple books. He speaks all over the country, and he's going to be a great asset to you in learning how to to avoid being lonely at the top. Here's my conversation with Dave. Hey, real quick, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about a special offer on my brand new book, Building a Business That Lasts, just like the podcast title. It just came out and you can grab a free copy today. All you've got to do is cover the cost of shipping and handling. I can't wait to get this in your hands. Go online right now and grab your copy. Just go to getjaysbook.com. That's getjaysbook.com and you can get your free copy sent right out to you. So go check it out. And without any further ado, here is today's episode. Hey, David, thanks for being on the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. It is an honor.
0: So I'm really excited to have you on today. You've done so many cool things. Uh, I talked a little bit about that in the intro that I just did, but I'd love for you to kind of give us a, a little bit of a behind the scenes, pull the curtain back a little bit on your journey as an entrepreneur and a small business owner and give us kind of a vision of uh, how you got to where you are today and why you do what
1: you do. Absolutely. So I my, my journey began um, way back in 1995 when I started my first major company. It was called Next Step Magazine, and it was a printed magazine for high school students. We would help them with college planning, career planning, life skills. Started in my hometown. We did 10,000 copies, Rochester, New York, gave it free in bulk to all the local high schools. And then the way we made our money is we sold ads, right? So colleges would advertise banks for student loans the military any local businesses that wanted to reach the teen market. And we did really well. So we expanded to our neighboring cities of Buffalo and Syracuse, and then we expanded to all New York State. Really nice model working. And uh, and, and so we ended up wanting to franchise it, right? Wanted to expand it around the country. So we actually set up a separate franchise corporation. We sold franchises in different states. So someone could you know, buy the rights in their state, we would produce the magazine for them. Uh, so it's kind of like a shell, and then they would put their ads in there, and, and you know they, they could do some local editorial, and then we would do their printing and mailing. And so, lo and behold, we ended up getting in every state. So we, we combined some states, so we had regions, and so we ended up having 17 regional editions of Next Step magazine. Later changed the company to nextstepu.com to make it more of a digital company, still print, but, uh, but wanted to expand it to the digital world. And uh, it was a great business. We were, uh, you know, an Inc. 5,000 company three years in a row, Rochester, Top 100 company. Great, great, multi million dollar, very profitable business and doing some good in the world, right? Helping teens make, make the correct decisions about life after high school, helping them with that. But that darn digital revolution, man, it kicked our butt eventually. You know, our core product was always print. And, you know, teens in print quickly became no longer cutting-edge technology. And we had to move on. So we retired the print, went all online. And, as you know most major newspapers and magazines are showing, never the same profit model, mm-hmm. so we kind of crashed right we We went all online, I tried some different things. I tried like an online school for teenagers. I opened up a retail center for college planning uh those didn't really work either so we we really you know um we we're, were at a loss. I ended up selling parts of the company and uh and then what I ended up doing was, someone had called me uh, and asked me for some coaching on how to start a business. And they, they said I was really good at it. So I said, All right, we're going to revamp. We're, we're going to become a coaching company that helps people start businesses and grow businesses. Because I had always done that over the years, right? Because at the end of the day, I was an entrepreneur. And a lot of people, especially young people, would call me for advice. And I would meet with them, you know, no charge, just trying to help people out. And I loved it. And I got energy from it as well. And so, it became apparent like, this might be my business model. So we created a coaching program, uh, you know, uh, a curriculum that I would work directly with people face-to-face over the phone, etc. cetera, uh, an online course for people to help grow their business, and then um, started doing local events for entrepreneurs where i bring in speakers and, and, uh, and sponsors and all that. Started my own podcast, the Avanti Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, which I've been doing now uh, for two years straight. I think we're up to 103 episodes, and um, and then about a year ago we started doing uh, local mastermind groups for entrepreneurs. So these, you know, these confidential advisory board meetings, and that really became a hit. So that became like what we started leading with because we quickly formed four groups uh, locally in Rochester four mastermind groups of of the small business entrepreneur, right. And then still doing events for them locally, still producing a lot of content, uh, articles, blogs, of course my uh, my podcast, um, you know things like that, and just really helpful resources for the small business entrepreneur, which often is ignored. Right? I mean, there's great organizations like Vistage and the IPO and Entrepreneurs Organization, but a lot of times they're for the bigger business. Uh, right. So we're really for the you know the startup to maybe a couple million to really build a community collaboration and, and learning environment for that, that ecosystem. So then we, I realized like, wow, we kind of got like a Rochester chapter, right? Cause now we're up to six groups, six peer groups, meeting monthly events, et cetera. And I'm becoming kind of becoming like the, the thought leader of these people. And I thought, wow, I, I could kind of expand this concept into having like a different Avanti chapters in different cities. So then we put together a program to license this program into different cities, so we we launched in Buffalo, which is our neighboring city, and that went really well. Got a great guy out there, Mike Dichocho, who's really become a partner now in helping launch other chapters. So, uh, within a short period of time, we actually uh, either have launched or are in the process of launching nine chapters. We're going international in November. We're going to launch in Toronto, so it's really exciting. It's if you could you know picture the the Vistage model for those of people that that know Vistage it's It's very similar, except it's it's more focused on like I said helping the the small business entrepreneur um with that community that they need so that they don't have to go at it alone and that's what we're leading with now. We're leading with um you know expanding these these this these Afonte entrepreneur network chapters around the country and frankly around the globe. Awesome. So a couple of things I want to uh, drill in on there
0: and kind of dig a little deeper. It, it was interesting to me because one of the things I love about this show and these conversations is um, most of the time I get people on the show like you who are willing to be transparent about all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reality is, you know, to be able to say, Hey, you know what, this one thing that we were doing, it crashed and it ended up not doing as well as we wanted it to do. And then we tried some other things and they failed along the way. Like that's real life. And I think it's really important for other people to hear, that everything is not um, sunshine and roses that shows up on most folks' Instagram accounts.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, unfortunately, that's why a lot of people become entrepreneurs is because they, they see that rosy picture on social media and then the cover of the magazines. And, you know, uh, and, and I'm sure you'll, you know, like some days it's like that. Some days, you know, you're on top of the world and your poop doesn't sink, right? <laughs> and <laughs> at some days, you know, when that roller coaster is going down, you know, and, and doing the uh the the loops and going through the dark tunnels, you know, I'm saying to myself, like, what am I doing? Am I the right person for this? What, you know, do I what, what why am I in business? I could go just get a job and make six figures probably. And and then the roller coaster starts to go back up again. And I'm like, I love this. This is great. And and that's the ride. I mean 20 years later, that's the ride still. And it's not for everybody, but if you are, in my opinion, a true entrepreneur, you know, it's, it kind of becomes your drug of choice, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. you like the roller coaster much more than the, uh, the carousel, we'll say.
0: Yeah, and I think that that is an important point that I really don't believe that everyone is cut out to run a business. And what happens a lot right. of times, and a lot of people don't like that sound of that, but it's still true. Uh, a lot of times what happens is people end up owning a job instead of owning a business, and those are very different things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, you know, not everybody was meant to be a mechanical engineer. And right. it's, you know, no, I wasn't, that's for sure. <laughs> it's too bad. I mean, it's just like this. We're not built like that. And, you know, at the same time, everyone's not built for this. It's, you know, I guess you can learn to be an entrepreneur, but it's like I could learn to be a mechanical engineer, but guess what? I'll never be a good one.
0: Yeah, there are certainly inherent traits. I'd love to dig in a little bit on the whole idea of mastermind groups in general, because I think it's, it's a really important thing. I've had the opportunity to be in a few along the years, some uh, informal and some a little bit more formal, like what you're talking about. and. One of the things I've been saying a lot lately is that I believe that everybody needs somebody to mentor them. They need peers on their level and they need need somebody that they're mentoring. And I think if people have those three Um, people in their life, it can be really, really valuable to them. And the mastermind group, to some extent, can kind of provide all three of those because you can end up with people in the group who are quite a bit ahead of you, some that are kind of at your level and some that maybe can learn from you. I'd love for you to kind of talk about the strategy behind a mastermind group, why it's valuable for a small business owner, and and, and what the kind of things they could kind of get out of taking that time to step away from whatever the operations of their business is uh, for once a month or however often uh, the group meets.
1: Uh, great question. I mean, there, there's no doubt that an effective mastermind group, you know, advisory board group, whatever you want to call it, you know, we call it a peer advisory, you know, uh, the Avanti peer advisory group. There's no question that they're massively valuable because if they're done right, they're confidential. You're putting yourself in a in a room full of peers that you know many of them have have already gone down the path that you have, and and even if they haven't, just the camaraderie the um the compassion the the willingness to help and, and, and grow together there's nothing like it right I mean it's you know some people call it entrepreneur therapy I mean just talking about what's going on with you, your business, the good, bad, and ugly so helpful I, I you know i i I feel like even if I went home and talked to my lamppost at night, I would get some value just to you know kind of formulate my thoughts and get it out so so you know a group of we'll, we'll say eight to ten peers in a room where you could relate their, your people, like, you know, like-minded people, um, that are sincerely interested in sharing and helping you grow. It really helps you to just not go at it alone. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they try to be everything to everybody. They try to do everything. They can't admit weakness or fault and they end up really isolating themselves and they're, they're going at it alone. Even if they have like 50 employees, they're there. Sometimes they feel very alone because those employees don't know what it's like to wake up at three in the morning and worry about payroll and personnel issues, etc. And uh, and so just not having to you know, have that mentality like I don't have to go at it alone. I could have a brotherhood, a sisterhood to talk about things that are, are emergencies, challenges, pressing issues, things that I'm confused about. And it also could be good things. It could be opportunities. Hey, I want to vet this opportunity. What do you guys think? I'm having a new idea for a new product, a new brand. What do you guys think? You know, and just getting feedback from people that aren't aren't going to sugarcoat. You know, they'll tell you like exactly what you should be hearing if if the mastermind's being done correctly. So and just having that monthly rhythm, that heartbeat of getting together with these peers. It, it really becomes your board of advisors. I mean, I know you could say you have a board of advisors, but a lot of times you're not getting what you need from a, from a, a board of advisors. You know, this becomes your true board of advisors, a, a respective, you know, kind of brotherhood, sisterhood of, of peers uh, to, to tell it to you straight and just really help you uh, not only with advice, but more, more from like experience sharing you know, say, you know, hey, I, I've been there and I've done that. And Jay, you know, here's, here's how I handled it. Here's what happened. I'm not telling you what to do, but here's here's my experience and here's what I did. You get six, eight, 10 people telling you their experiences, um, you're going to be able to formulate, you know, your plan forward for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, I think one of the most common sayings that you hear from people who are at the top of any size organization, whether it's a small business or large corporations is often they'll say things like it's lonely at the top. That's kind of a very common phrase. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is true, but I think your point is it's only true if you allow it to be because you can put yourself in circles. One of the things I do every year is I go to a conference of other um, digital agency owners and I I go every year to February and everybody there runs an agency. Some have, uh, you know, it's just them on their team. It's a single man, single woman shop. And then some have hundreds of team members. And And those times of getting together, that's just a once a year event. But but just being able to get together, learn from some other speakers, and then those times in between of having lunch and conversations between talks with other people who are in the same world as you, and then having a month, monthly mastermind with a group of like-minded people it doesn't have, even have to be the same industry. Sometimes it's valuable if it's not the same industry it's just so priceless. And I think if you're out there listening right now and you're not doing something like that, I think you're gravely missing out. And I think the, the biggest objection that people probably make there's probably two. One is they don't want to pay for an organized program. I think that's a mistake. You got to invest in your business. and And part of that's investing in yourself and your leadership. And the second is I don't have the time for it. And I mean, the reality is that couldn't be further from the truth. Because if we don't make the time for things like that, like a mastermind group where we're learning from other people, engaging, or shoot, sometimes it's just like a counseling
1: session. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, if we don't have the time, if we're not spending the time on those things, we're never going to get better at what we do. Right.
1: Yeah, and it's all about you know, Avanti means move forward, and uh, the name is very intentional because that's what we need to do. We need to we need to continue to move forward with you know you know, challenging ourselves with learning and new methods and new technologies. And otherwise, it's very easy in today's world to get left behind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to hear you kind of talk about a few different things. I know you do some of the similar stuff that I do as far as you've you've published multiple books, actually. You do speaking engagements, you do online training, you do live mastermind groups. You got all these different things going on. How have those different avenues kind of helped or or and I helped your business grow and helped you personally. And is there one particularly writing a book, starting the podcast, speaking at events, which one stands out to you as maybe having the most valuable value for you personally?
1: Oh, I would say the podcast by far. I love my podcast. You know, obviously I strive very hard to put out great content and have great guests on my show. Like you will be Jay, uh, for the listeners, but, You know, it's almost selfish in the fact that every time I do a podcast, I mean, I am learning. I am learning so much from my guests. I mean, I have these people here that are amazingly successful entrepreneurs in their own right. And, you know, I get to pick their brain. You know, how many of these people could I just call and say, hey, can I pick your brain for an hour? Right. And it'd be, oh, I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. You know, but, you know, I'll put you on a podcast. I get to pick your brain for a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, and I get to learn. So it really becomes a massive learning opportunity for me. In addition to it, just opened up my world. I mean, my people that have been on my podcast, and you know, I've I've had 102 people so far. You know, they they really have become a big part of my network. Like we've done we've done things together afterwards, right? Uh, We're yeah. speaking events or you know, mastermind groups, or we we've just done things together, and so it's built my world uh, so much better. And it's almost like I have this, um, you know, not that we talk monthly, but you know, uh, like kind of like an online. master my network of people that I can just reach out to uh, that have been my podcast guests. So it's been very, very helpful in many ways.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. And and one of the things I want to kind of hit on in relationship to that is a lot of times people think about doing these kinds of things. They think about starting a podcast. They think about writing a book. They think about doing whatever. Um, But sometimes you just got to start and get it done and move forward. I started this podcast. Um, back last August, I guess. And I think your episode is going to be episode 42. And mm-hmm. and so there's been 42 different people, like you said, that I've had the opportunity to sit down and talk with. And it's not been perfect. Like the early episodes, there's some audio problems, like things yep. that could have been better. Every episode, I learn a little something more, our, our process and system for kind of streamlining how we, you know, publish everything gets better. But I didn't wait until I had a perfect
1: process to start doing it. And I don't know if that's similar for your thought process as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got to stumble your way to success. There's no doubt about it. You know, you can't be that guy. There's a proverbial story about the hot dog stand guy who went out of business because he was too busy, you know, setting up his sign and polishing his hot dog cart. And, you know, he just just needed to sell some freaking hot dogs and then, you know, that stuff will come along. Right. Yeah. Uh, So absolutely. You just got to jump in the pool. I mean, entrepreneurs, that's what we do. We jump off the cliff and we build the plane on the way down. And yeah, absolutely. It can't be. You know, a lot, I think non-entrepreneurs are the people that are, you know, um, uh, ready, set, fire, right? Uh, and uh, and you know, we we tend to fire a little bit earlier, right? You know, or maybe we're we're ready, fire, aim, I guess, right? Or fire, ready, aim, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and that's who we are. That's what we do. And, and I think that's that's what allows us to be entrepreneurs and to be successful is because we, we try, we take a jump, we take a leap. And we know it might not work out, but we're going to give it our shot. And, and version one's not going to be perfect, and version ten's probably not going to be perfect. It, but it's going to be a a, a a process that we're we're honing along the way and learning along the way, and it's going to you know it's going to continually have improvement.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't mean we have to be foolish about decisions by any means, but at the same time, it's a willingness to go. Hey, I might fail at this, and that's okay.
1: Right. Oh yeah. So if you're not, if you're, if you're scared of failing, then, you know, never become an entrepreneur because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you have to earn your stripes. And part of that is, is failing a lot. You know, I mean, if you try 10 different things and one works out. So you got to be psyched about the one and not bummed about the nine, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you're out there listening and you're thinking about your own business and you're going through a difficult season, I mean, the best thing you can do is what you're doing right now, which is dig into podcasts, dig into other people, find a mastermind group and and, and learn uh, how to get out of it? You got to pick yourself back up and and keep moving forward. I mean, uh, David, I, I love that you kind of were transparent about affairs that you've had at the beginning of stages. And the thing is, like, you're not done failing. I'm not done failing. I'm gonna have you know plenty, plenty more failures along the way. But the big thing is, I'm gonna get back up and keep moving forward and find a way to improve.
1: Oh, I failed this morning on a, on a small <laughs> level, but it's driving me nuts. You know, I I bought. Uh, I'm trying to be hip and cool and cutting edge, so I bought these you know Bluetooth uh, earbuds, right? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm failing left and right with them, <laughs> I'm trying to figure them out, but I'll get there, you know? And, uh, uh, but so on a small scale, it's like, you know, we, uh, we do things like that on a large scale. We launch a new brand, a new company and it doesn't work out, but you have to be nimble. You have to pivot. You have to be willing to just, you know, be totally committed and not giving up. Uh, Tony Robbins says it best. If you are totally a hundred percent committed, you will always find a way to, for success. And I always, I always remembered that version one, two, three, four, five, ten may not work out, but eleven, boom, it may be the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were both blessed by winning the lottery of uh, being born in the United States. I mean, and there's a lot of other great mm-hmm. countries out there too, especially folks that are listening. Um, my wife was born in England, but but the reality mm-hmm. is, like for me, I'm fully aware. I'm probably not fully aware, but I but I am aware that you know the place of my birth alone was a huge opportunity and a huge starting point. We've got friends, uh, uh, we run some mission work down in Haiti. And when you're exposed to environments like that, you go, man, these people, like you talk about like teaching a man to fish, you know, and he can fish for life. But when they don't even have a pond to fish out of, they don't even know where to start, you know. And oh, we're absolutely. just to have the opportunities we have. And I just don't want to take them for granted.
1: Well, and even in very civilized countries, it's it's very difficult to, to do what we're doing. You know, my, my father-in-law is from, Sicily, and you know, years ago, he was trying to start a business there, and it, you know, just to get the paperwork mm. to get it going was taking years. Where you and me, we can go get our DBA tomorrow, today, right? Go down yeah. to the, the county building, whatever, whatever it is for you. I can, I for thirty-three bucks, and my having my license, so they that shows that I'm a citizen here. Uh, uh, I could have a business, a new business today, right? Doing business as DBA, and uh, and that and and in many countries, I mean, that becomes. Uh, a very arduous task alone.
0: Yeah, and I always say starting is the easy part, especially now. We live in a world where it's easier than ever uh, to start a business, but now the question is, like, how do we make that business last? So, you have the opportunity, like you said, to interview a lot of other uh, business owners who have been very successful, um, and you yourself have done all kind of uh, great things. So, I'm curious from your perspective, what are some of the key things that you think are important for a business owner that allows them to build a business that lasts?
1: Well, I think first and foremost is surrounding yourself with people that can help you, you know, especially in the beginning. And, and what, you know, I, I would say mentors, people that have been there and done that and have a, a vested interest in helping you. Uh, and that may just be a, a genuine, sincere um, desire to, to help you, you know, see you succeed. Right. You know, peer groups, mastermind groups, you know, whatever. It is. If it's Avanti, great. But there's others out there as well. So, you know, just building your team of advisors, your team of mentors so that you're not going at it alone. It's very lonely, especially in the beginning. Um, And, you know, you might beat yourself up a lot more than necessary. You know, you may, you know, quote, unquote, fail. And and then you say you think you're such a loser. And and then meanwhile, you you know, you you talk to other people and they're like, oh, my God, I did that, too. And here's how I got by it. You're like, all right, I'm not that much of a moron. He did it, too. She did it, too, right? You know, I just was in an event last week um, in Syracuse and uh, the co-founder of Netflix was was the keynote speaker so it's a guy Mark Rudolph right he's Reed, Reed Hoffman's uh, co-founder with Netflix mm-hmm. and he was like you know I basically you know was saying hey you know you think we're rock stars let me tell you about the first few years and they were abysmal you know they, their whole idea was was renting I mean not renting uh, selling the DVDs right not renting yeah and um, and you know they did 10 million in sales but they owed you know or they they figured it was gonna they were going to need 50 million to continue to, 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 you know, the business and they were failing, 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 failing. And then, you know, finally the, you know, rental thing, you know, came apparent and obviously the streaming thing came apparent. And, uh, but he's like the first two or three years, you know, we were buffoons. You know, if you read the, there's a great book out now about the uh, startup of Airbnb, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Their first few years, you know, pivoting left and right mistakes left and right. I mean, you know, they ended up being in an, an incubator, and the guy in California, the guy was like, "Where are most of your customers?" And they were like, "New York." They're like, "What are you doing here? Get to New York, talk to your customers, <laughs> because so many things were going wrong." And and they had to find out what were those things. They needed to knock on doors and just talk to people. Pivoted the model and ended up obviously with the largest purveyor of rooms in the world, right? And they don't own one room. How about that? Yeah. So you know, even these people that are massive billionaires today, so successful. You know, they were, you know, quote, unquote, messing up in the beginning. And oh, yeah. so I just think surrounding yourself with people, don't be so hard on yourself. And then, you know, to, you know, I think the question was things that, that they could do to be successful these days. Um, I would say it, it really takes focus and discipline. I mean, this world today is just so fragmented with everything going on, you know, a thousand TV stations, you know, Pandora, Spotify, texting, apps, uh, you know, social media, And uh, it's so easy to, you know, feel like you're busy and then you get nothing done. Mm -hmm. So I would just really stay focused on the activities that you know you need to do in order to, to grow your business. I think that would be very important as well.
0: Yeah, I think that those that's huge, especially the Airbnb and Netflix story. It's just that be willing to change. I think the most one of the most toxic phrases in some organizations is, you know, we're doing this this way because this is how we've always done it. And I always right. say, look, I don't care if it's how we've always done it unless it's still the best way. If it's still the best way, that's how we should yeah. do it. If we got a better way, we should do it the better way. I remember, yeah. I remember a story from the Airbnb guys. I was watching them at an event one time and and they were saying that like they went around the country literally taking pictures of people's houses for them. To put on their ad, so here's these guys who are now worth, you know, I don't even know, bajillions of dollars probably, and and they're going around the country taking pictures of people's houses just to put them on Airbnb to try and help rent them out better to prove the concept, and right. and then you know even something like Netflix, you know, some people look at that and think, well, it was the obvious choice to go to rentals than the obvious choice to go to streaming, but Blockbuster was sitting there at the same time you know, twiddling their, their thumbs, believing that their way of brick and mortar, you know, DVD rentals, uh, was going to survive. And yeah. it didn't, you know, here's this monster of industry. I, I spent so many of my days, uh, you know, in my teenage years and early twenties, even probably walking around, you know, blockbuster, trying to find out what DVD we were going to watch for the night. And my kids will never even know what that is. You know, yeah. it's crazy.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and they went down fast, right. Yeah. They went down fast and, uh, so, and, and, you know, a little, little side note. So this, this guy, uh, you know, Mark Rudolph, uh, the co-founder of Netflix, he was telling a story about how, you know, when they, when they were doing 10 million in sales, but they, they, they really realized they needed about 50 million to stay in business for another year. They, they said, let's call Blockbuster. Maybe they'll buy us. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow. so Blockbuster wouldn't call them back for a long time, months and months. And then finally they called them mm-hmm. and, uh, they flew there, and they're in the board meeting with the people that, you know, the, that executive team that was making acquisitions. And they asked, them, they said, all right, you know, we like what you're doing. We, we we see that this this could be a direction we want to go in in the future. How much do you want for your company? Mm-hmm. And Reed Hoffman said $50 million. And they pretty much laughed, and that was like the end mm-hmm. of the conversation. Mm-hmm. It went downhill from there. And Mark's like, you know, we got on the plane back home, and – he goes, I sat down, shrugged my head down, and he's like, that's when I realized that we were going to have to kick their butt, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and you know, uh, nine years later, you know, Blockbuster went from a $9 billion company, thousands of employees, hundreds and hundreds of locations to pretty much bankrupt. And, uh, and, and obviously, Netflix owns that world now. So, you know, who could have predicted, right? There's a lot of downfalls like that, but that went fast. That, that was pretty fast.
0: Yeah, I never heard that story. That's really interesting. I mean, it's it's crazy because Netflix is now worth you know billi- literally worth billions of dollars, and you know fifty million compared to billions is a uh, drop in the bucket. And right. what a missed opportunity that was for not keeping their eyes open and going, hey, there might be something here. And how many times do we do that? Maybe on a much smaller level, maybe with a lot less zeros on it, but missing the opportunity because we're so caught up in the whirlwind of our day, kind of going back to what you were talking about with a fragmented world. It's easy to feel really busy, but not actually be getting anything done.
1: Well, yeah, I'm in Rochester, New York, the home of, uh, oh, Kodak, right? And mm. you know, Kodak, what a great run, right? I mean, they were king of the world for you know over a hundred years, right? So how many companies can say that? But- you know, they were making so much money in film and they actually embedded digital photography. That's but crazy. It was like, oh, put that on the shelf, you know, because that's going to kill our film business. And, you know, at the end, they went down fast too, you know, and uh, they're still here, but very different company, a lot of B2B services. And uh, they went from being, you know, arguably one of the best well-known brands in the world to, you know, what do they do now? right and uh yeah. and if they were forward thinking and entrepreneurial you know going back to George Eastman like he was the founder they probably would have invented you know Instagram or or things like that right and uh yeah. so you know you do you get you get caught up in the, the 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 big cow that's giving you a lot of milk and it's it's hard to think about uh you know the the the, the new pony on the farm right
0: yeah, absolutely. And if, if you're out there listening and you're interested in this topic, I want to learn a little bit more. There's a great book by Jim Collins called How the Mighty Fall. And, um, and, and that there's a lot of really good insight in there that's a good takeaway. Uh, David, I always like to kind of transition as we get towards the end of the show and ask a little bit about the rest of life. We've talked a lot about business, but one of the things that's important to me is the rest of life. You know, people call it work-life balance. I don't love that term, but it is what it is. And it's different for everybody, and it's different in different seasons of your life and different seasons of business. And so, I'm curious what that looks like for you, how you found balance or harmony or whatever you want to call it, and maybe some tips you've learned along the way, or maybe you're still working on. It. I know I am; I'm still working on uh, t- trying to figure that out.
1: Yeah, you know, it's always a work in progress. Um, you know, I I do strive to have a, a somewhat of a balance. I, I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of you know, personal and business starts to intertwine itself. I mean, it's with these darn phones and emails and text and just all the digital stuff. You know, it is it, this business is always going on. Right. And yep. uh, so, you know, what I work hard to do is really, you know, create buckets in my in my life. So, you know, when I uh, I, I do have three small kids and so when I when I come home, I, I try to leave by five. Come home for dinner, uh and I live close, which is nice. So I'm 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 home within about ten minutes. And um, you know, have dinner with the family as many nights as I can and um and then put my phone away, right? Put my phone away when I'm eating dinner and um and 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 if I could, you know, keep it a while, keep it away for a while, you know, go bike riding with the kids and uh or, or would just spend some quality time. I don't have my phone next to my bed at night. I actually, you know, um, I keep it downstairs charging. I turn it off, and because I, I want to separate my sleeping time and you know with, uh, with the go 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 time, right? And I, I believe you know six to eight hours of sleep every night is very important, and and I you know rarely get eight, but I usually get between six and seven. Uh, so and and I always make time for working out. So every morning I'm up at five or five thirty, and I, I you know I I start out you know my day with a prayer and. Try to do a little deep breathing slash meditation, and then I work out. I need to work out in the morning. I, I you know, it's part of the. I think the balance is, uh, the you know, the 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 personal part is health is a big piece for me, and and I think when I'm in shape, I'm better for everybody. My mind's better, my body's better, my mood is better, and um, and so that's that's a big part of balancing life for me is is the exercise piece. And then, you know, once you get to work, the whole balance piece I means so many things you can do, right? You can answer emails, you can call people, you can go through your mail, you can have meetings, you can plan. And uh, it, so once again, it's really about, about kind of creating a schedule of habits that, you know, you, you're going to do certain things on certain days and at certain times, right? Like Mondays and Fridays, I try to keep as buffer days, try not to plan so many appointments. Kind of a ramp up day, catch up days, things like that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, go go time, sales, meetings, podcasts, etc. And then, um, like I said, at, at night, try to carve out some time for the family and, and just you know really balance that part because I love it. I get it. I get energy from it as well. And then you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll say about eight thirty till about ten thirty, I'm I'm hopping online, right? I'm hopping online. I'm catching up with the emails and all that stuff. Cause I can't do it during the day. You yeah. know, I mean, you probably too, Jay, you yeah. know, get hundred, two hundred hundred, 200 emails a day. And then if we respond to them during the day, they're responding back to you. So <laughs> you know, those turn into 400 emails and I just can't do it. Right. So uh, I'll, I'll find myself responding to emails at night um, when I, when I can. And, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people aren't, so they don't respond, which is nice. Right. Right, <laughs> right away. So it, you know, it, it is a work in progress. Jim, I always remember the quote from Jim Rohn who's one of my favorite business philosophers, you know, wherever you are, be there. And hmm. so when you're at work, be at work. And really that, you know, don't let your, your wife or husband or, or whomever, you know, invade your work time with personal stuff. Hmm. But when you're at home, be at home. Once again, don't let work invade home. And most importantly, and this is the toughest one, when you are on vacation, be on vacation, right? Uh Been very tough with the cell phones, right? You want to check an email and text. And so you're still kind of available. Um, uh, I just had somebody who I respect a lot, uh, Brian Scudamore from uh, White 800 God Junk. When he goes on vacation, he actually uh, has his assistant change all of his passwords, right? Email, et cetera. (laughs) That's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, like, so he cannot check email or social media while he's away. And he's like, call me if there's a fire. You know, because he wants and he has people, you know, checking his email and, and et cetera so that, you know, they can help him keep up. But he wants to be dismissed from all that stuff. He wants to focus and go deep, you know, where he is. So God bless him. I think that's the best idea ever in a long time
0: yeah I think that's critical I mean it, it took me a few years to finally get to a point where I was had the right systems in place to be able to do that, but that was a big goal for me years ago was you know being able to leave for a week or even two weeks and and not have to worry about the business and I can do that now right. and that that is really um sometimes that's more valuable than more money and yeah. and having those systems in place that allow you to walk away and take some time and, and get a little fresh air and and regroup and spend time with people that you need to spend time with. And I, one of the things that you mentioned there, which I think is really valuable is just being intentional about, you know, where and when you're using your, your phone, especially because I know I'm guilty of using it too many places. I shouldn't be using it. And lately I've been trying to, when I get home from work at the end of the day, just leaving my phone and my laptop in the car um, until after the kids go to bed. And I can't yeah. always do that, but a lot of times I can and should do that. And, um, and, and being willing to go, no, no, this, this time is, for somebody else. And the story that I um, tell in the book that I wrote is this idea of if you were out to dinner or in a meeting with your most important client ever, or the prospect that you've always wanted to try and get like the most important person ever, and yeah. your phone rang, would you pick it up and walk out of that room to go talk to some other random person who's not your most important client? And the answer is almost always no, like you would never do that. So why do we do that with our children? And why do we do that with our wives? And and that's a hard question. One thing somebody told me one time is instead of saying I don't have time for that, um, yeah. say that's not a priority for me. And when yeah. you say that's not a priority for me and you have to say that to your wife or to your child, it's a lot harder to do. And it makes you really kind of think about what are my priorities and what is important for the next decade or next 20, 30 years, you know.
1: Right No. absolutely. Yeah, it is. It At the end of the day, it's all about priorities. Right. And uh, and, you know, focusing and making that person, you know, whoever you're with, making them feel like the most important person in the world at that time.
0: So we're running out of time, uh, which is always a good sign of a good conversation. But uh, one of the things that I always like to end with is how you kind of continually grow yourself. Obviously, you're pouring into a lot of other people and helping them learn and grow. But how do you keep learning? Is it audio books? Is it written books? Is it podcasts, events, mentors, some combination of all of them? Um, What is it that helps you kind of stay ahead of the curve and be able to um, grow uh, your knowledge of the industry and whatever else you need to acquire mentally?
1: Yeah. I think just being curious. I'm very, very curious. Uh, I'm very, you know, I have an ego, but uh, it's in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very humble in the fact that, you know, I am excited about the fact that I still don't know a lot of stuff. And so all that stuff you just said, you know, reaching out to people that can help me, you know, mentors, friends, experts. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm a podcast freak, you know, audibles, one of my best friends, Um, going to events, uh, all that stuff you know, uh, TEDx talks, TED talks, love those. So uh, reading books, I love, I still love the printed book, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties. And, uh, and so if I have my choice, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a printed book to the beach, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. love, love that very therapeutic for me. And, and so I think bottom line is just realizing that everybody is my superior in some way. And how can I learn from them? How even the bum on the street, know something that I don't know, right. and how can I you know, respect that and respect that person to learn something from them?
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, the idea of uh, asking the question, how can I learn from everybody I'm around um, is is a great way to keep learning. So any parting advice for people on how they can build a business that lasts? Uh, what's something that maybe we haven't covered or something you want to touch on or something you just want to kind of reemphasize? Um, and then the last thing is, where's the best place for people to find you online if they want to learn more about you and what you do?
1: Um, I would say the best advice I have is, and it's from a good friend of mine, Carl Gold, Carl, it's something very simple and it's, it's the basics, but you know, spending 90 minutes a day on sales and marketing for your business every day, mm-hmm. right? So carving out 90 minutes a day to whatever that looks for you as a sales calls, as it marketing, trying to get new customers, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. and that will, that will pay off in spades. And we all can get very busy where all of a sudden we say, what the hell do we do today? If you can schedule 90 minutes a day for sales marketing efforts, That'll pay off in spades. Best place to reach me, I mean, I'm all over the place. If you Google my name, David Mamano, M-A-M-M-A-N-O, I'm sure my LinkedIn and Facebook and all that good stuff will come up. Instagram, very active on those three. Uh, Twitter a little bit, although I'm, I, I don't do much on Twitter. Um, I have some people on my team that do more for me, but I personally am involved in, in you know Facebook and, and Instagram and LinkedIn. And then, of course, my websites, DavidMamano.com and AvantiEntrepreneurGroup.com. David, thanks so much for being on the show. It's
0: really been a pleasure to have you, and I appreciate you sharing your time and knowledge with uh, my audience. Thanks so much.
1: No problem. Thanks for the good work you're doing.
0: I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com.